Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Welcome to Tables Flipper Podcast. We're dealing with Chapter 9 from my book, Time for Transition, entitled Becoming Stewards. Just as Israel experienced powerful transitions from Eli to Samuel and Saul to David, we are witnessing similar changes in the church today. God is removing those who have a mere form of godliness and replacing them with those who are in pursuit of him, 1 Timothy 3.5. God is no longer tolerating those who are committed in form only and is removing those who are only his in name. We are in the days when calling oneself a Christian is not enough. God is looking for those who live as faithful followers of Jesus. Our words and titles will not suffice in the days ahead because our religious titles will not be enough. Now, quoting Isaiah 29, 13, Jesus spoke these words, Matthew 15, 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's interesting uh, that we're dealing with this again at this time in this season. When I started wanting to do my book and just focus on my book a little bit, uh, I did that with the idea of one, to promote the book, and two, just to set the podcast on a course that I can follow up later. And uh, again, I didn't really fully realize how prophetic this book was. But as we get into it and I read this again, I'm realizing, wow, um, the Spirit of God really had his hand on this. Now, I know it might sound like I'm trying to pat myself on the back, and I'm really not. It's just it, it could have been any anybody wrote it. It's just there's something profound that God is doing in the earth, and many have been writing or talking about it for years, and now it's really starting to come to pass. There was somebody that told me just the other day that things that you were teaching years ago, are people are starting to teach now. And that's the thing about the prophetic nature. You are ahead of the curve, so to speak. Not because of yourself, not because of your brilliance, but because the Holy Spirit of God, who is laying a foundation and those things need to be in the atmosphere. And then uh, others can follow along. Prophets sort of blaze the trail, and much of my teaching is very much prophetic. It doesn't always seem to make sense at the moment, but a, a week, a month, a year later, maybe 20 years later, it certainly starts to make sense as things catch up to what the Holy Spirit was saying. I want to continue reading from my book. The Sauls are being replaced by the Davids. God wants the kings and priests to rise in this hour. Samuel represents the anointing and power of God, the priest, while David represents the authority to rule and reign as kings unto our God. And this is found in Revelation 1.6 and Revelation 5.10. When both of these are in place, a mighty move of the Spirit will sweep through the earth, bringing millions, perhaps billions, to the Lord. It is unfortunate, but the present religious order simply does not have what it takes to steward a move of God as I just described. 
God will be moving many of the current kings and priests of today just because they refuse to become what they need to become for this next move of the Spirit. Simply put, they are stuck. People that have positions of authority and prestige must realize that simply because of the position they hold, others will look to them and even want to be like them. In other words, merely because of the title and position, these ones will set the standard for others around them. If we as leaders are stuck in yesterday's move, we will inevitably cause those around us to miss what God is presently doing. It is our job to remain on the cutting edge of the Spirit, knowing what God is doing in the earth today and work to help establish a fresh and continual outpouring with those we have been entrusted with. This, of course, was true for Saul, and since he was king, others would follow his lead. We find this concept at work in the story of Goliath. For Samuel 17, 1-4 says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle, and were gathered at Sokoh, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokoh and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up the battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. The Philistines came to make war against Israel, so Saul and his army came and prepared themselves for war. 1 Samuel 17, verses 8-11 through 11 says, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Just as we have been looking at the story of Saul and David and seeing that his truths apply to us today, this story is no different. The enemies of today have arrayed themselves for battle and have set themselves on a hill overlooking the valley of our present day and culture. This enemy has been taunting God's people, even sending out their champions to mock and challenge the church and what it stands for. These champions of the enemy are such things as abortion, homosexuality, and humanism, and those that support them. These champions of the modern Philistines have been taunting the church of today, and our Sauls are hiding in their tents, hoping for Jesus to return and save them. Since many of our rulers and leaders are acting as Saul did, the entire church today is being affected by the fear and dismay of the Sauls of today. It is unfortunate that many church leaders have embraced an eschatological view that Jesus is about to come and get us any minute now and save us from the corrupt system that we have no control over. The modern Goliath of this present darkness we are living in and the fear of Antichrist have crippled many of our leaders today. Throw in the hype of the blood moons, the Shemitah, the one world government and the like and it is plain to see who our modern souls are. They are the ones that are telling people to prepare for our departure instead of preparing the people to engage the culture, rid it of the modern Philistines, and bring godly change to the society around us. Saul hid in his church. 
uh, instead of leading his men in battle. It is time for a revolution. The modern end time teaching has done more to hurt the church than help it. Many saints are ready to check out and go home to glory instead of rolling up their sleeves to get busy changing society for the better. I have challenged many in this area over the years, often being labeled a heretic, false teacher, false prophet, etc. Considering all that I have faced and all that I know of the end time doctrine, I understand most of it to be false. Most of the end time theology comes from fear and it births fear. By this alone, we should know that it is a false doctrine. Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Anything that produces fear in God's people is born of a false spirit. The only fear we are allowed to harbor is the fear of the Lord. What I have witnessed in those that are proponents of the end time theology as it is taught in most churches is far from the fear of the Lord. Instead, is a fear of missing the rapture, fear of antichrist, fear of plagues and war, etc. None of these are to be in the heart of the believer. But this doctrine is freely taught by most preachers and without thought or care what it is doing to the listeners. When gone unchallenged, the people live in fear without any hope of a future. This type of mental and spiritual destruction must stop. God, the God of the Bible, said this in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. These are the words of the God I serve. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we have hope for a better tomorrow. God is all about hope and restoration, but the current end-time theology teachers have forgotten that and robbed people of the hope of a brighter future. Part of the transition we are in is the stripping away of all doctrines that have been birthed in and that produce fear or any other wicked mindset. Now, in the very near future, we're going to be dealing with some of the end time theology as it's being taught in most churches, especially in America. And I can honestly tell you that most of it is completely false. It comes from false roots, false ideologies, it comes even from a false spirit. As we just quoted in the scriptures, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And so anything that robs us of power, the soundness of mind, or love, or produces fear is a false doctrine. And if we're honest, most of the end time uh, teaching, the eschatology in most churches, produces fear. It comes from fear, produces fear, and is it's laden with fear. It's interwoven with fear, which proves that it's a false doctrine. So I, I asked the question to many pastors, how can you teach something that produces such fear when fear is not of God? It's a spirit that God did not give us, but you are producing it from your pulpit. How is that possible? How do you keep doing that? You see, Oh, we'll answer those questions in a future podcast. But the, the point I want to make is these are the souls that are being removed. So teachers of end time eschatology, end time theology, as it's being taught in the church today, you need to really go to the scriptures and the scriptures alone and take them for what they actually say in the way they say it. Instead of teaching these ideas that come out of the opinion and the fear of man that's empowered by a demon of fear. 
Quit pushing that nonsense and start in teaching your people how to engage the present culture and society and change it. Teach your people how to take the head off Goliath to change the culture around us. Let me keep reading. During this time in Israel's history, as well as in our present world, God is looking for champions of his own. God is looking for men and women that will stand up against the champions, the modern Philistines, and bring them down. It is unfortunate, but we have too many Saul's that are more interested in self-preservation than facing off with the enemy. What is interesting is that the word Philistine in its biblical use means immigrant. An immigrant is someone that moves into the area that is not their own, and they do this usually uninvited. Immigrants will often come into an area and remain unless someone forces them out. The word Philistine, as used in a modern sense, has come to mean someone that is hostile to the culture around them. A modern Philistine would be someone that comes into an area and demands that the people and culture of that area change to their liking instead of assimilating into the culture of that area they are now in. The Philistines are not only a group of people we read about in the pages of Scripture, but are very much alive and active today. Modern Philistines have invaded our land and are hostile to everything we hold dear. The Philistines of today are found in the homosexual or LGBT movement, the Islamic invasion of the West, the political correctness movement, and political and ideological movements such as liberalism, socialism, Marxism, and communism. These Philistines have moved in uninvited by the populace and have been hostile towards the Christian values that have kept our nation strong for many years. These Philistines have their champions shouting their propaganda and swaying people into their false philosophies. While our Sauls are hiding away in their tents, afraid of facing these giants as well as the people and ideologies they represent. What is needed today are the Davids that are unafraid of the Philistines and their champions. Davids that will face these demonic ideologies and remove their heads, rendering them powerless. We need a company of Davids that will not hide in the church and spout weak-kneed religious messages of tolerance and coexistence, but a company of warriors that are able to articulate and fight on the battlefields of ideas. For Samuel 17.11 says, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. This is a great story of follow the leader. The army of Israel became terrified every time Goliath came to the battlefield, not necessarily because of Goliath himself, but because Saul, their king and commander, was terrified. Those who were under Saul's leadership merely responded as they saw their king respond. Verse 11 again, Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Saul was supposed to be the one that stood up against the enemies of his people and his kingdom. When he showed that he was afraid of this Philistine champion, everyone under his care became afraid as well. Church leaders must understand this concept. The people under our care will take upon themselves the attitudes and characteristics we display. The people became afraid of the Philistines and their champion because the leader of Israel was afraid. The people simply did what they were supposed to do. They followed Saul, but Saul did not lead as he was supposed to. On account of Saul's failure to lead as he was supposed to, the people were led into a self-destructive mindset that could have literally cost them their lives. 
Had they remained in their fear, the nation could have been lost to the Philistines. A new leader arises, 1 Samuel 17, 32. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. It's interesting that it took this little David to rise up and do the job of Saul. Again, we're seeing this over and over and over in our churches and in the church world. Let me keep reading. When you read this story, it is plain to see just how crippling fear is. Fear of the enemy, those that taunt the church, often keep us hiding away from the enemy and the battle we are supposed to be engaged in. It is interesting to take note of all the believers that are active members of a church, but not active Christian members of society. Far too many of us know how to be good Christians on Sunday, but have yet to know how to be good citizens on Monday. We have not learned how to go out of the church building with the same fervency and anointing as we enjoyed while in it. Far too many have yet to learn how to take the power and anointing from the church and manifest it in the marketplace and culture around them. God is raising up a company of Davids that will blaze the trail and lead the way to the battlefield. Goliath loses his head. For Samuel 17 verses 48 through 51. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out his stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Think about this. David was not deemed important enough to be invited to the party when Samuel came looking for the new king to rule over God's people. David was ridiculed by his brother for being young and a mere shepherd boy. King Saul did not think David was old enough or experienced enough to face Goliath, and yet it was David that took Goliath's head. This is what we are going to be seeing more and more. Those that are stuck in the previous move of God are the greatest critics of the leaders of the new move of God. Keep this in mind. Just because some are fearless does not automatically make them foolish. However, God can still use the foolish and their foolishness for his purpose. For Samuel 17 verses 52 through 54 says, Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Shaarim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. David had the courage and showed lots of faith in God as well as the strength of character and heart. David never wavered at any point. David never backed down from his enemy. It is recorded that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David ran to the battle, not away from it. David not only brought down the giant, but he brought courage to the entire army of Israel. This foolish little boy not only brought down the giant, but imparted to the army of Israel courage and strength after he took Goliath's head. 
The men of Israel, now filled with courage, pursued and struck down the fleeing Philistines just moments before they were filled with fear and dismay. Once the catalyst of fear is brought down, strength and courage can return. Whatever the principality is over a region, the people of that region will take upon them the characteristics of that principality. When those who are supposed to bring down the stronghold of the enemy give into and agree with the stronghold, it will take one that is like David to bring the stronghold down that has captured everyone else. When we have weak and compromising leadership in the church, it always leads to weak and compromising leadership outside of the church. When we bring down the principality over the region, all the lesser spirits lose their authority and power to remain. We need leaders that are no longer comfortable merely behind the pulpits of their church, but are equally comfortable behind the podiums of societal transformation. When these leaders rise up, you will see the Goliaths of our day and age come crashing down while losing their heads. Whose characteristics will you take upon yourself? The characteristics of Eli, who did not want to rock the boat and left his sons to continue in sin? Or maybe the characteristics of Samuel. He restored the true word of the Lord and brought the nation back to God. Perhaps you'll be more like Saul. Begin strong, but finish in humiliation because the will of the people is more important than the will of God. Then again, you can be like David, a man after God's own heart. David, who was willing to face the giant of the day and take off his head. We need leaders in the church that will rise up with the word in their mouth like Samuel and the sword in their hand like David. The choice is ours to make. The choice is yours to make. Ladies and gentlemen, especially church leaders, I'm telling you right now, we're in a a move. It's, it's beginning. It's already been happening, but it's beginning to speed up in many ways. If, you, if you've noticed, you've looked out over the church world, you've noticed that many of the church leaders, especially some well-known ones, have fallen, fallen into sin, fallen away from the limelight. Make no mistake about it, part of this quote-unquote falling away is God's doing. Not that he's causing people to fall in sin, but he's exposing their sin. And it's not just the sin that he's exposing, but he's, he's exposing their refusal to repent of that sin. You see, again, it's not sin that's really the problem because Jesus is the answer for sin. Please don't make, uh, um, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're allowed to sin and then just run to Jesus every time we get caught. That's not what I'm saying. My point is, every one of us makes mistakes. That isn't the problem. It's when we refuse to repent of those mistakes. It's when we're weak and we refuse to turn away from our weakness and become strong and fearless in the Lord. It's when we embrace fear more than courage, when we embrace the spirit of the age more than the Holy Spirit of God, when we embrace these false ideologies that are doctrines of demons and turn away from the true doctrine of the Lord. That is when God says, I can't use that one any longer because they do not have a heart after me. See, how do you know the one that has a heart after God is the one that is quick to repent 
when sin is realized. It's one who is quick to repent when fear is realized. It's one who is quick to repent when they realize that they are everything or anything less than what God has ordained or asked them to be. And unfortunately, the guy that just looks good in the suit and knows how to speak Christianese from the pulpit is not always the one that God wants to or will use. He will bring that Saul down to replace him with a David. He'll bring that Eli down to replace him with a Samuel. And we need the true prophets of the Lord like Samuel to rise up and the true warriors of the Lord and the worshipers of the Lord to rise up like David. We need this in our day and age. And think about how blessed we will all be when we become a mixture of Samuel and David. When we can take all the good points of Samuel and all the good points of David, mix them into one and develop our character and our personalities and our usefulness from those two aspects in those two places. What a great day it'll be in the church world. And this is what we're moving towards. Please, if you have this idea of Armageddon, Armageddon out of here, then let me tell you, get away from that. Because listen, for the last 150 years, people have been waiting for Jesus to come. He hasn't come. The Bible tells us, Jesus clearly tells us, do business or occupy until I come. He didn't say sit around and wait for Antichrist. He didn't say sit around and wait for rapture. He didn't say sit around and wait for these things. He said, when I come, I want to find you busy doing the work of the Lord. I want to find you busy taking territory. I want to find you busy establishing the kingdom. I want to find you busy honoring my name and the word that I've given you. And what a lot of this end time teaching has done is has inoculated the church, caused the church to be in fear, afraid to press in and touch the Goliaths of the day. When we should be taking off their heads, uh, many are afraid to even go to the battlefield. They don't even want to be out there. They don't want to be embarrassed. I mean, my God, look at what this is happening. The church has become so weak, especially in America. And it's time that the spirit of David rise up in God's people. It's time that the spirit of Samuel rise up in God's people. So pastor and church leader, I'm telling you right now, if you've been like Eli, you've been like Saul, you've been like Hophni or Phinehas, you've been, you've been in that place of compromise, you've been in that place of fear, and you've been too afraid to, to face the battlefield, to face the, to face the Goliaths, let me tell you, Step out of the pulpit and let David take it. Step out of the pulpit and let Samuel take it. Let somebody with courage and a backbone take that church and take that position and then get out on the battlefield of culture and society and take off the heads of the Goliath. Take off the head of the LGBT movement. Take off the head of the fear that's being pushed out there. Take off the head of the... of the. Um, liberalism, socialism, Marxism, and communism that go against the very teachings of Christ. Take off the head of all of these ideologies that are causing the church to be in fear and run and hide. It's time to stand up, Davids. It's time to stand up, Samuel. It's time to let your voice be heard loud and clear. And when they mock you, keep declaring the truth. When they come against you, keep declaring the truth. Keep running towards the battlefield, not away from it. Come on, Davids, it's time to rise. Come on, get the sword in your hand and the sword in your mouth. It's time to rise in the name of Jesus and do some damage to the powers of darkness in our day and age. I will hope and pray that you will be one of those who choose to be a David in this day and in this hour. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. 
you can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.